Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com, and sitting next to me, as usual, in a landlocked area, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. We're going to need a bigger podcast. That's right. Shark Week is next week. Right. Shark Week on the Discovery Channel. And so we thought we would do a, a podcast about something shark related to celebrate Shark Week. Now, for those of you who are looking at a calendar, that'd be August 2nd through 8th. That's Mark right. it down. It's going to be awesome. And you might think, all right, well, what kind of uh, angle are they going to take for Shark Week on tech stuff? I mean, you know, sharks aren't known for using their Newtons. <laughs> doesn't have good shark handwriting recognition software. That's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't bite you today. Uh, looks like next Thursday's good. Right. Well, bites, all that could play uh, into true. it, just I, different I, spelling. And we also considered the uh, the game shark. Yes, we, we came up with several different ideas. And then eventually the most obvious idea reared its sharkish head. <laughs> we should do a podcast about Bruce. Bruce. Bruce the shark in Jaws. Chris, do you remember that scene in Jaws where the shark leaps out of the water onto the orca and it and it crashes the orca and and Quint starts to slide down into the mouth of Jaws? Do you remember that scene, Chris? No, because I've never seen the movie. Shut your mouth, Chris. <laughs> you have never seen Jaws? I have never seen Jaws. Ladies and gentlemen, when when Chris that obviously and- that was a setup. 
I mean, clearly, but uh, I yes, I'm did 38 not know, years old and I have not seen Jaws. I did not know Chris had not seen Jaws until 30 seconds before we hit record. I Pretty am much. not joking. And Jaws and, is in my top five films of all time. That's right. So I'm going to stop talking now and go get a Coke from the fridge and let you talk for the rest of the podcast. So June 1975, a blockbuster known as Jaws hits the theaters, <sighs> starts to frighten the pants off of audiences from coast to coast. I do remember that. I Walk, totally remember. Walking into theaters and just seeing pants there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, there's no people, just pants. Why are all these pants here? Yeah, None of them are pale green with no one inside them. Totally scared out of them. Um, so June 1975, also the year and month that I was born. How about that, Chris? You remember it. I was born then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, the, the movie and I are of the same age. The film was plagued by several problems throughout shooting, and some of them were because of personalities involved. Uh, there's a famous uh, story that um, that a couple of the major actors had personality issues that escalated throughout the filming process. Can't imagine that. Yeah, Dreyfus was one of them. Shaw was the other. And, <laughs> um, and so – that was only a small part of the problem. There were also issues they had with the locals of Martha's Vineyard, which is where they, they shot Jaws. Uh, they had some problems with some of the locals not really liking the fact that their community was being invaded by Hollywood for what was supposed to be 55 days of shooting, which turned into over 150 days of shooting. Uh, it's only, you know, three times as much. Right. Yeah. Well, the, what could go wrong? The major problem, though, was with Bruce. And Bruce was the name given to the three life-sized models of a great white shark. Uh, it was named after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. And, uh, you know, you can make all the lawyer shark jokes. And there are lots of them. Yes. So that's probably why. I Bruce Raymer is the name of the lawyer. And so they huh. named the, they collectively named the three model sharks Bruce. So, uh, the, the sharks came in, there were three different varieties. There was, one designed just to be shot from the left side. Had a hole in the right side. Exactly. And there was one for the right side, that hole in the left side. Same thing. Same idea. So you only shoot it from one side. You obviously wouldn't shoot it on the side that had the big gaping hole in it that showed you all the, the pistons and everything inside of it. And then you had a full model that was mounted onto a, a sea sled, for lack of a better word. It was this um, kind of like a submarine without all the walls. <laughs> but it was a little submerged vehicle that could tow this this model shark and it was uh, manned by scuba divers now the the models that had just the left or the right side mm-hmm. they were mounted onto a platform that ran on a set of rails that ran along the ocean floor i wonder if those rails are still there that's a good question i wonder if they are probably in really bad repair because one of the major problems with this machine or these machines i should say that they kept on seizing up. And part of the reason for that is that salt water is incredibly corrosive. Don't drop your iPod in the ocean. Yeah, it will die. Yes. Yeah, the, the, this is one of those reasons why electronics and ocean water really don't mix. It's because ocean water tends to be very, uh, the salt content, it makes it very corrosive. So if you were to drop your, uh, well, well, I'm not going to drop a name brand. Let's say you drop your smartphone in water. If it's fresh water, you may actually have a chance to recover it by drying it out. 
You could leave it out, you know, maybe put it in some rice to try and draw some of the moisture out. Mm -hmm. That works. Dry rice, by the way, not cooked rice. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, but if, if you were to drop it in, say, salt water, the chances of you recovering that electronic gadget have decreased significantly because of the corrosive elements. Yeah, just listen, people. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. Back up your mechanical shark before you put it in the ocean. Exactly. Because if you don't, you're gonna, the same thing is going to happen to you that happened to the, the shooting of Jaws. Now, here's what Spielberg did. He, he had decided that he wanted to shoot everything on location. He had decided that, that to shoot it in a, a studio, like in a big water tank, would be too obvious and that the movie going public was becoming too savvy. And they wouldn't stand for that. They would just say, oh, that just looks so fake. So he decided he wanted to shoot it out on location in the water. They chose Martha's, Martha's Vineyard because, one, it resembled the town that was mentioned in the novel Jaws. Mm -hmm. And two, the uh, the shelf had a very gradual um, decline. You could go miles and miles off the coast of Martha's Vineyard, still only be like 30 feet deep. So it wasn't like the – it would suddenly drop into a trench. You had, uh, you could go out a long way so that you were out of sight of land, and yet the ocean wasn't so deep that you couldn't use this rail system. Right, which is important because that's what enabled it to act like it was swimming. Right. Yes, exactly. They could they could uh, mimic the motions that a shark would make while swimming through the water, and you could get all that wonderful uh, thrashing about. And um, so. The sharks used a combination of electric and pneumatic and hydraulic motors uh, and pistons to open the mouth, to roll the eyes, to move the fins, to, to swing the tail. To bite. To bite. And, uh, yeah, that was very important. And the I figured that much. I haven't seen the movie, but I figured biting Yeah, was biting involved. does take a – you know what? There's a movie called Jaws and biting is involved. <laughs> um, also, some of, the, some of the teeth were hollow and had tubes – attached to them so that blood could be pumped through the tubes <laughs> so that when the shark attacked, blood would spurt out of the shark's mouth. Oh, that's excellent. Right. So, you know, you don't want to just turn them on while the shark's out of the water because then he's just to become a blood fountain, which would be an <laughs> awesome name for a death metal band. Um, but let's stay on topic. So, Bruce. You right. got Bruce, uh, and Bruce was built in Los Angeles. Right. They so had you got to ship a shark. Three of them. <laughs> they had to ship ship three sharks, and I'm not going to say that fast because, <laughs> good lord, I know the FCC does not look over us, this but is a family Discovery does. Right. So they had to uh, send three shark models across shark the country. Ship three sharks. Okay, no, let's just stop it. So Chris has gone goofy. It's just because he hasn't seen the movie. I'm going to have to lend him the DVD after this, except he probably have to close his eyes at the scary bits. So, um. So yeah, they're built in Los Angeles. Uh, they were shipped over without the, the, the skin put on them yet. They were actually kind of just this weird yellowish, creamy plastic color. Neoprene. 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 Yes, exactly. Uh, they had a, a steel tube frame. Mm -hmm. You had this, this, uh, this plastic foam on top of it to be the flesh. Eventually they used this polyurethane, uh, as the skin. They used some nylon around the joints so that there would be flexibility. Um, and you know, shark skin is a uh, is interesting. Yes, it's very interesting. It's uh, it's smooth one way when you rub the, your hand down from uh, 
from nose to to uh, dorsal fin, yes. you would feel a very smooth surface right right before you got eaten. Right. And then if you ran your hand the other way, which really ticks them off, you will definitely get eaten if you try that. Yeah. It feels like uh, sort of like a cat's tongue. Uh, it's uh, you know got those little knobby things that yeah, are going to chew rough. your hand off. It's very rough. And if if you were to rub your hand the you know quite quickly down the wrong side of a shark, you would you. you would cut it up. It, I mean, it, it would. And it takes off the shark. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know what? I'm Sharks sorry. are really not as violent as we're, you're making them out to be. I but, know. Well, um, I mean, it's we are talking about jaws here, yeah. which you know it totally inflates the, the notion yes. of so these biting people. So in order to get this this texture right. of skin on, they they wanted to make sure that the skin looked realistic whenever the shark came out of the water because. That presumably it would come out of the water a couple of times in the in the film. Yeah. So they didn't want it to bead up on the the polyurethane. So in order to get around this, they said, "Hey, why don't we just add some sand to the paint mixture, and that can create the the texture that we need, and it'll even feel like a shark skin." And so they did, and it seemed to work pretty well. Um, they had to tweak the the paint um, formula quite a bit once they got to Martha's Vineyard. What they had done is they had tested it back in L.A. Mm-hmm. and it seemed to work fine on the skin that they had created back in L.A. Problem is, the climate in Martha's Vineyard is totally different from the climate in L.A. Yes. And the paint did not stick properly to the skin. Yes. So they had to start tweaking. Well, this meant that Steven Spielberg had to look at scenes that did not involve the shark and shoot those first to give the build team enough time to finish the shark design. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would look at any other scene that he could shoot and start shooting those first, with the exception of the crowd scenes. Because the problem was that Martha's Vineyard, when they started shooting, it was early spring. Mm-hmm. And it was cold in the water. And they couldn't really pay extras to run around in freezing cold water all day long to get six seconds worth of footage. And uh, they didn't – they considered briefly putting stunt people into the water wearing wetsuits that were painted a skin tone. In order to manage these shots and then decide that was not very um, – that w- that just wasn't going to m- work. Right. So the best idea was to put those scenes at the very end of the film process so that way the water would be at a, a bearable temperature, which meant that they had a certain number of scenes that they could film and that was it. Once they were done with those, they needed the shark. And the shark just kept giving problems. First it was the paint. Uh, then it was the fact that – they would get the shark out into the water, and they hadn't tested it in ocean water uh, this before would be they the, shipped uh, it over. This would be the uh, saltwater thing again. Yes, yes. So the saltwater would tend to make the different parts seize up. Now, these were sharks mounted on gimbals, and if you want to know what a gimbal is, there's a great article written by Jonathan Strickland on HowStuffWorks.com that explains it. But uh, the gimbals allowed the sharks to tilt at certain angles to make sure that they could submerge and and, and uh uh, out through the go move through the water in a way that looked natural and also even leap up at the characters that were up on boats or on docks or whatever. Um, so there were a lot of parts, moving parts that could seize up, and they did a lot. So much so that people began to worry whether or not this movie would ever be filmed. It the the production costs went from about three point five million to some say over ten million, which today is tiny. Yeah. That's not even a marketing budget today for a film. But back then, that was big bucks. Yeah. So It's the pre-Star Wars days. Right. And to have your budget more than double, that's bad news. So this this film, for a while, looked like it was going to be the albatross around Spielberg's neck. But uh, everything eventually came together. Eventually, they were able to get the shark working enough for them to get the pivotal scenes they really needed 
shot. Uh, one of the other things that was taking a lot of time was the fact that underwater scenes, they could spend a whole day trying to shoot underwater scenes and they would get six seconds worth of usable footage at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So you think about that. How many seconds are in all of those underwater sequences in Jaws? You know, you break that out by minutes and then you figure that out. Okay. Well, six seconds of each of those minutes that took a day to do. So 10 days per minute. It's crazy. Yeah. You wow. think about that, you know, and, and now granted, there's not like really extended underwater sequences, but there are a few. There's a couple of, of shark, uh, cage sequences. There's um, some other stuff. I won't spoil the movie for you. Thanks. Since you haven't seen it yet. Thank you very much. I appreciate Good. this. Um, Except, you know, I won't be able to watch anyway with the scary scenes. And stuff. Right. Well, you know, we'll we'll get someone to explain it to you using uh, very gentle language. <laughs> the um, We can say things like, the man who was bitten by the shark is in a field playing with rabbits now. <laughs> so, oh, I love rabbits. There you go. So <laughs> once they got these sharks working, they went ahead and shot the images. Uh, the The other issue they ran into was that... Uh, there were some things they just they weren't going to get the sharks for. Steven Spielberg came up with this brilliant idea of using uh, the footage of just these barrels to represent the shark's presence. Mm-hmm. There's a point where Quint harpoons the shark and attaches these barrels that contain air to the shark. The idea being that it will keep the shark close to the surface. It can't dive down. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the shark dives down because it's Jaws and the movie's named after it, so screw you, Quint. And so the, you'd see the barrels go under the water. And whenever the barrels would pop up, you would realize, okay, the shark's nearby. You wouldn't have to see the shark. You just knew it was there because the barrels were there. It actually made it much more scary. Right. And in fact, you could say that the absence of the shark in the end was a huge boon for the film because it meant that the mystery was preserved through most of the movie, you only got little glimpses of it, and it made it that much more terrifying because the it was your mind that was filling in all the details. Yeah. So in a way, Bruce, the malfunctioning shark, is I would say is one of the the main reasons why that movie is so freaking awesome, and you need to see it. All right then. A few other just <laughs> quick notes about the shark models. Mm-hmm. Do you know how long they were? How long the shark models were? Yeah. Um. You know, I didn't write that part down. I know how heavy they were. How heavy were they? They were around um, 2,000 pounds. Yes, that was 2,000 pounds dry. Yes, because they gained 10 to 12% water weight after being in the water. Which is another reason why the the sharks wouldn't work very well. The gimbals weren't designed to lift a an object that was that heavy. They were supposed to be neutrally buoyant. They were mm-hmm. supposed to just stay wherever you put them. But because they gained weight through water, they weren't. <laughs> um, they were 25 feet long each. Oh, okay. So these are big, big models. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, they had more than 30 different rams and motors in them to make everything go. And of course, if one of them's not working, then it's not going to look right. Right. You know, the more complex it gets, the more likely something's going to go wrong. I also know that the uh, the shark that didn't have a hole in it uh, also on the track could swim as far as 60 to 70 feet. Yes. Uh, which is pretty, when you think about it, it's kind of a long way because you could do a lot with that, that much room. Yeah. You, you, they would, they would tow the shark down this rail and, uh, they would shoot for the, the length of the rail. But of course, once the rail runs out, that's it. Yeah. You got to go back to the beginning, go back to one, as they say in the movie biz. Um, and you know, I, I was talking to Chris earlier. I was thinking, if they were to make Jaws today, let's say that they never, that Spielberg had decided to pass on this movie, it was never made, and now today they've decided to make Jaws, and they decided instead of going practical, 
which is what we would call the 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 mechanical sharks. Mm-hmm. They decide to go CGI. Do you think it would be as successful a film today as it was back in 1975? Um, that's a good question because you know they wouldn't have had that. Uh, as you pointed out, um, the mind is really powerful. And so if they weren't having to replace the shark with the uh, the barrels, you know, it might not have been as scary. Yeah, I think of other shark movies I've seen. And while some of them are very gory mm-hmm. and they have a lot of jump scares in them, they don't necessarily fill you with the terror that I felt when I first watched Jaws. Mm-hmm. Because just hearing John Williams score, that bottom, <laughs> yeah. bottom, once you start hearing that, especially early in the film – Early in the film, that score always indicated the presence of the shark. Mm-hmm. If you heard that theme, the shark was there. And it, it got you used to that. Mm-hmm. Later on, you would hear the theme, but the shark wouldn't be there. But you're on edge because you hear the theme and you've been trained. Okay, now the shark is here. Mm-hmm. Or in other parts, you don't hear the theme and suddenly there's the shark. And that freaks you out because you didn't get the warning that you expected. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful use of suspense. Um Right up there with Hitchcock, I would say. And uh, and I can't imagine with CGI being able to resist the temptation to show the shark off every chance you got. Yeah, yeah, which is done quite frequently with computer graphics. Right. So I think in a way the um, the busted sharks are, are really what made that movie special. Now, granted, it made it a living hell for the people who were working on the film at the time. Yeah. But as a as a an audience member, um, I'm actually thankful that it did happen that way because otherwise we wouldn't have nearly as as memorable a film. I would wager. Yeah, uh, it's it's neat stuff. And if you want to learn more about hydraulics and and things of that nature, we have articles on HowStuffWorks.com. It actually goes into the details of how hydraulics work. We didn't really go into that here because, uh, well, you know, it's a lot of other fan stuff for me to cover because I'm such a fanboy of the film. Right. right. I didn't even go into the USS Indianapolis speech, which is, by the way, one of the best monologues in film history. <laughs> even though it's not historically accurate, it is awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm freaking out a little bit over here. Okay. Well, Are you, are you done freaking out? I'm done freaking out. Okay. So I thought I w- would mention there's a pretty cool website I would suggest people check out. Okay. It's www.frenziedwaters.com. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty mysterious. There's some interesting little videos and some other stuff there. There's a, uh, you know, do some digging. And I would suggest going beyond just the website. I say search around, use Google, take a look. Uh, you might be surprised at what you find. There's some pretty cool, scary stuff on that website and things that are related to that website. Personally, uh, I'm going to stick to showers now because I... I'm afraid to go in the water. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, no bathtub. I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll do what? We'll watch Psycho. And then you won't even want to do that. Great. And that hose <laughs> off in the yard. <laughs> oh, I've boy. never seen Psycho either. I know you're wondering. Oh, nice. I'm glad that we got that out of the way. So remember, Shark Week, August 2nd through August 8th on the Discovery Channel. We here at Tech Stuff wish you happy swimming. And if you have anything you'd like to say to us, any comments or questions or criticisms, anything of that nature, send it to techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Remember, we have tons of shark content on howstuffworks.com. And we will talk to you again, assuming we're not eaten, really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. 
Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh. Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.